Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Shows with Friends, where we watch TV shows with our friends. Today is our second installment of Lilyhammer, the Netflix original show that was chosen by Eli. So Eli, take it away. What are we covering today? Let's dive right on in to Lilyhammer, episode two and three. Very strong follow-ups, action-packed follow-ups to our pilot, which we talked about last time. And... Overall, really strong, fun, deeper, I'd say deeper dive, really, into a lot of what was started in the first one. So here we are, heading into two and three. We're in Lillehammer, Norway, and we end the first episode on a great note. They're trying to run a background check. On Giovanni Henriksen. So, Steve, <laughs> without further ado, what did you think heading into episode two? Yeah, awesome. So, I, great pilot, obviously, setting us up in this world with this really crazy character coming right, you know, from the New York mobster scene, this archetype, very Sopranos esque, in Lilyhammer in this totally different world. Um, so I did really dig the direction that the show went immediately. Um, mm-hmm. what, what I dug about it was sort of, um, so in the pilot, you got to meet a lot of people of this world, you know, the girl and the son on the train and she's in the mix with him as his love interest, the, his friends that he made these kind of like, um, outsider guys, these lovable loser guys. And then <laughs> the chief of police who li- happens to live next door, you know, kind of had that sort of like small town, European small town thing. And he's a mobster. And I thought um, in episode two and three, it really uh, took everything to another level. And really what I thought was cool sort of kept you in the, was grounded in the realism of, who this guy would be interacting no matter like where he is. Right. Right. So we got to kind of meet the sort of seedier and or corrupt side of Lilyhammer, this sort of idyllic town. So, um, and and in two of these episodes, um, two and three, I thought did a really good job. And in episode two of showing you this kind of like seedy underbelly world, you meet this biker gang that is the sort of main criminal element of Lilyhammer. Yeah. Booze running, money laundering, gang. Like, uh, you name it. Yeah, and he runs right up against it, right? And then the main guy. And yeah. there's already kind of this exchange of like, you beat up my guy, so I'm going to beat up your guy. And we're <laughs> even, so let's just work together. And like, um, I just found his character navigating that. It wasn't so much that was interesting. It was just that underbelly world in Lilyhammer I found interesting because these mm-hmm. criminal elements obviously exist everywhere. 
Sure. Um, but then another character who appears in the second episode and then has a much bigger uh, role in episode three is that lawyer, the kind of seedy lawyer. Yeah, he's everywhere, right? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's at like the opening of the bar and he's, you know, he's a he's in at least three scenes in, in the yeah. in the second episode, and then he's right. a major part of the third, yeah. Right. And he's like somehow already working with everyone who's shady in the tent, mm-hmm. right? Both on the like white collar and on the you know, biker gang side, right? Uh that guy yeah. is really funny. Uh, just yeah. the actor and how they costume him in ridiculous outfits always. And that woman he's with, uh, and I believe it's the second episode as well with the short mm-hmm. hair we've seen a few times. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating to see this. Um, yeah, as you were saying, kind of seedy underbelly biker gang, you know, all this stuff, but set in Lilyhammer. And that's yeah. what makes all of it, you know, just the more, I think, comical and almost endearing and almost in the way that we were talking about, you know, this idealized version of American gangster, these gangsters actually are kind of endearing though. In the second one, it does get pretty real a bit. And so of course we open with this booze stealing moment, um, which (laughs) runs through the whole episode. And here we are, Steve, we're back in this kind of, uh, ongoing story, but contained episode caper model, uh, essentially. And, yeah, you've uh, talked. Yeah, you've, yeah. you've talked about the caper model a lot, and uh, I think these two episodes, episode two and three, did a really good job of kind of these contained capers, but also introducing these group of characters that are obviously going to be a part of this series. Yeah. You know, so this episode two would be like the biker gang caper esque, mm-hmm. and then episode three is a kind of real estate mogul, real estate. Um, Right, farmer, the idyllic, the idyllic environmental farmer holding out tree, the tree hugger. <laughs> uh, we'll get um, to him. Yeah, so uh, I love in this second one, as you're saying, how it really brings you into this world. And Johnny, of course, finds himself uh, in the thick of it. And mm. in the second one, it's interesting because he's not really. Uh, it's not like he's sort of looking for it, right? Like he buys the stolen yeah. booze unknowingly. Um, he's sort of getting mixed up just by association. Uh, and that's not surprising based on you know his characters and his desire to sort of charge into this world and open a nightclub. Um, yeah. But I thought there was another uh, really great character that starts to really emerge in two and then, of course, in three, uh, which is the cop. Uh, yeah, uh, gay Elvis. <laughs> gay Elvis. What's next? A straight Liberace? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I thought. Yeah, he. This guy goes off the deep end. So, um, as we left off in episode one, yeah, you know they're trying to do a background check on him. Obviously, they're hitting a wall, um, and a sort of series of things happens in the second episode. Now, I just want to generally say I really like the second episode a lot. And I thought it 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 really packed a lot for Johnny and things happening in his world into this one episode. So you talk about yeah, really did. this this real foil, this real sort of antagonist to him emerging mm-hmm. in a way that was like first he scorned, you know, he wants to, you know, he had a standing gig as an Elvis impersonator at this bar mm-hmm. that 
Johnny is now taking over and turning into the Flamenco Club. Yeah. And so he goes to kind of see if that gig's still standing. And and uh, it was, you know, he pretty much gets the brush off, essentially. Yeah, and um, that's really the catalyst that he needs yeah. to start spiraling. Yeah, yeah. yeah when he, he, like, took down his own poster, you could tell, like, he was, like, deeply wounded and was gonna, that, that was something bad was gonna happen. And then yeah. it, it creates this discontent in him that gets manifested in a really interesting way that I think speaks to, you know, this time, um, which is interesting because, so you talk about this, this TV show coming out, you know, around 2012, you know, kind of like the 2010s era, um, and they really leaned on this on the on this post 9/11 terrorism um, world and and uh, prejudice, right? Yeah. Like that probably seeded from all of that, and is most likely more prevalent in Europe because mm-hmm. it's been going on for so long than even the United States. Um, so he goes down like the rabbit hole of this, which is something that right. you know tends tends to happen to a lot of people. But it seems to really like <laughs> the references to him being really into twenty four and that whole exchange at <laughs> um, the fast food place uh, right. with the guy. Yeah, you know, and and there's just um, this dude is discontent. He's clearly like bored as a cop. They did a great job of establishing that he, they don't have a lot to do. And so he's like grasping at straws as a police officer, trying to like stay engaged and find meaning in that job. And And he's uh, an obsessive. Yeah. Like the police chief already knows this, right? She's mm kind of onto it. She's like, did you sleep last night? Yep. She's and like, you got to work on your temper, which is obviously like an issue for him. And I think what's issue. what's funny is the Elvis thing was probably like a legit outlet for him. That <laughs> having that removed right away just set him on this course, right? Um, so he gets it in his head that Johnny is actually Suleiman Body, mm. <laughs> and that's a really amazing scene, uh, which then. Come, you know, ties in the end of this second episode, but he he shows the police chief and uh, Hovland. He shows her the two pictures, and it's just yeah, an amazing his, thing. His Photoshop of yeah. it, like I was like thinking yeah. to myself, like that's not accurate. Like you just made it look like him. <laughs> it's just, me. Uh, and I think it's it's funny. Like they think he looks so Arab. Um, yeah, that is funny, right? And it's like we never. I feel like we would never question that in the sopranos like we know it's steven van zandt who's you know from jersey probably right he's from the east yeah. bands from over there and like he just looks italian he looks like a paisan why would you think he looks arab but he does kind of look arab in the context of norway in that his hair is so dark and his features are prominent but he doesn't right. like it's weird and yeah and that is also playing on this uh sort of anti-muslim uh, fear mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting though you know they they have a few different ways they visit this and and one is through this uh, conspiracy spiraling but the other is through the Muslim man in Johnny's class uh, yeah and his confrontations with him which is really interesting because of course they clash but then later sort of become friendly and then he, yeah. Johnny asks him to help carry the dinners 
which Geir, the policeman, photographs thinking they're doing sketchy stuff and then relays that to the police chief as, I saw him, you know, doing suspicious things with some radicals, real heavy-looking dudes, right? Like, something <laughs> like that. And it's just, yeah. like, it's so terrible. And But it's interesting because, yeah, they're, they're leaning on that, but they're also uh, making seems to be making a comment and kind of really looking at that. And as he spirals, even in this one, he, the police officer is always in the wrong on this stuff. He's, yeah, uh, he's just fearful and digging where there isn't anything. And of course, you know, this is really a two episode rust. Um, Right. And turning him into a, to an Arab is really through his paranoid lens for exactly. you and I, you know, watching this from the perspective of being Americans. Um, it's not, I would not, I would not think he looked Arab. You know what I mean? I know sure. what Italian Americans look like. It's a Sicilian look. It's just kind of more embedded in our culture and our pop culture. But there where everyone's more or more people, I should say, are blonde, blue eyed. They got Fair. that tall look. Yeah. So that, um, it just seems they're sort of lumping these immigrants together. And it's a cool little analogy for sort of what happens everywhere in the world. So it's like even here and over there in Norway, they're not immune to just sort of stereotyping groups of immigrants and, you know, lumping them all together and, and, uh, and he's picking up like a food delivery. I mean, it was the most innocent thing in the world. And he thinks it's some major crime thing um so he this and what's interesting about that you're creating an antagonist for the main character who is off the rails so you like don't there's no logic really behind he's not like on the case he's not like discovering truth he's just making up his own narrative and running with it you know so it's a real wild card of a of a situation that's that's been created which which i thought was really quite interesting yeah, and especially at the close of this episode because you have not only like this resolution with the biker gang pretty early on, right? Like mm-hmm. um but by the end of it it's like the club opens and the biker, you know, guys are playing poker, like everyone's happy, right? And so yeah, yeah the sole antagonist uh is this conspiracy theorist crazy man. Um who, in the final scene, of course, gets a little interest or buy-in from the police chief. Right. Only and only because she's pinned against him, Johnny, in a way where he kind of denies, denies her access, entry to right. her house when the moonshine kit you know, explodes <laughs> or whatever. And up, yeah. He's like, you need a warrant to enter here. And it's, I, think what's, I think what's fascinating here, it's like in... The underground world uh, between this episode with the biker cop and then with the sort of corrupt lawyer or, you know, sketchy lawyer, it's like he can operate in those worlds and just dominate and get everyone to bend to his will and 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 make all of that situation. But when it comes to the law enforcement, it's another thing. Like he shuts them down and then they are continue to be more suspicious, sorry, more suspicious. Yeah. And more bent on trying to take, you know, figure him out and get to the bottom of what's going on with him. Yeah. Which is that dynamic of the mafia, right? An American mobster. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's Johnny 
being Johnny, who's actually Frank. And yeah. <laughs> this episode really, as you were kind of saying at the top, like this takes us deeper into his world and that he's going to be him and operate the way he operates no matter where he is. So uh, you've just got immediately in this second episode, he's just deep, deep in it. And yeah, I love how the close of this sets up uh, this juxtaposition. Of yeah. The club just full and it's looks so much fun, right? It's a female you know, oh, yeah. rock band and it's a full house and there's poker, you know, everything is going on and they're counting money after and, you know, it was super successful. And then the cop just spiraling in the basement alone. Right. Mm. Uh, and that really does like, uh, kind of set us up for the third one. And, uh, before we, you know, dive, start to dive deeper into stuff that happened there. I realized something watching the third one, Steve, and I want to see if you agree with me. Okay. Okay, so the cop, Gair, mm-hmm. is he or is he not the Norwegian Steve Buscemi? Ooh, that's a good comparison there. Right? Yeah. Um, Getting super not, Steve Buscemi vibes in the third one. Yeah. Not, I mean, I see it in his face, yeah. some of his reactions. Not as like wiry or kind of electric energy that Steve Buscemi has, but he definitely, um, I I totally hear where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Um, Before we move on uh, to episode three, real quick, I just wanted to um, point out that I thought episode two was very interesting as well in establishing uh, Johnny or Frank as a badass. You know, in episode one, we saw a little bit of that with the kid and the, bathroom and he bangs his bangs his head up on it but the whole sequence of going after the biker gang guy that they knew was at the diner to get to the main guy yeah and just and just (laughs) how how um and even to um previous to that earlier in the episode in the bathroom with um the arab guy who's in his immigration class yeah um i thought that was like a really powerful way where like someone tried he tries to hit him and this real quick block slap slap just like I thought that was really cool to um, establish that he's for real. Like he's not to be trifled with as a main character. Yeah. And I think that's cool because it it create it's not it's less of a funny character. You know, you're like, oh, it's like you're, you know, there's an element of 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 danger and intensity with him that they established in episode two that carried over in episode three. And I think gives a lot of weight to his character. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too, in this, uh, I think this story and setting really the contrast of worlds brings this out, but the, you know, these mobster bosses or underbosses or famous mob, you know, fixers and hitmen mm-hmm. and stuff that, we've talked about a little bit, they were not just talkers or figures or gunmen. And at least the portrayal and stories and actual evidence we have, right? And this is really, you know, showing that like, and it's funny because some of these confrontations, while Johnny is stocky, he doesn't look 
big, huge, or like super athletic or muscular per se, but he's built like a freaking tree trunk. And <laughs> you know from, you know, other stories and movies and books and stuff that these mafiosa guys were the real deal, right? Like they were tough as yeah. nails and they knew how to scrap and brawl. And that I think is really interesting. And you see that throughout this, right? Yeah. Um, that not, yeah, not only does he know how to flex his muscle and, you know, they throw the guy off the ski jump like he's not afraid to just do whatever it takes, but he also, yeah, in that scene in the bathroom and other moments, Johnny has shown there's no one really in this town that's going to stand up to him yet, actually. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, he is the toughest baddie in the town for sure. And there's this interesting thing at play here that is in a general thing how original this show is. And then you take these archetypes where, like, this is an established thing, this sort of biker gang versus mob scene. You know, it happened in Goodfellas, it happened in The Sopranos, and it's sort of, to again, to see that in within the lens of this Norwegian sort of filmmaker or television creator. Right. Um, so it's just slightly different. It's a Norwegian biker gang. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's all very interesting, but it's still like, the biker gang guy against the mob mob guy, and they've established this in uh, history of cinema and, and television that they get kind of bested by the mob guys. The mob guys are actually tougher than the biker games that are all wearing the same, you know, jean jacket with their name on the back, and right. then they run into some mob guys and they're they're kind of screwed. Yeah, <laughs> and that, they showed that very well in this one, and and also uh, getting to this uh, leader of the biker gang in a conversation with his lawyer about this issue of money laundering and getting to a sit down and getting to an arrangement. And like you said, they're at the club later and they're just, he's got cards. He's got people apologizing to him, making everything right. And there's this real thing that now he's just this major player in the underground crime syndicate (laughs) in Lilyhammer. And it took him all of what, I don't know how long he's been there, like a month. Maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah, I actually wonder. Um, I noticed they continue to use like you know, gorgeous shots, scenery, but also full moon shots. And I wonder if that's partially to help you mark the time of how long it's been there. So I remember, uh, you know, the night they kill the wolf is a full moon. Um, and then there's uh, one in the second. So I would guess, yeah, if that's actually to sort of let us know how long this has been. It's been uh, about two months. Yeah. Give or take. <laughs> uh, but I did note that uh, they really, of course, the beautiful setting is part of this, uh, but they really, really have some amazing night shots in the second one. Yeah. That's a good point The way, with time. So if you think about how full that episode two was that, there was a consistent amount of time because he had the first class and they talked about the different things that were going to happen. And like the third thing was that ice skating event. So like, yeah, right. like that was deep into the class. Everybody knew everybody. Um, he had been kind of taking that class with her for a while and then, um, and they got together and I, I, I found that scene with him um, and Sigrid uh, really sweet with her little broken leg. And he, he picked her up and brought her into the bed and they, um, Stephen Van Sant in this role, I thought did a really good job of being kind of charming and 
real in that moment and charismatic, you know, with his hair kind of falling over his head. And she kind of came in for a kiss and it just seemed so right. I was like, which um, I think is a testament to this show. It's like, if you look, if you're just like scrolling Netflix and you see the the cover art for this show, you're like, what is this? Yeah. Is this like a, a slapstick comedy version of the Sopranos? I mean, that's what it, that, that was my impression of this for years until you suggested we watch this on shows with friends. And now <laughs> it's opened up this whole new world, Eli. How um, do they do it? Yeah, no, but I like that they got together. And again, episode yeah. two was very full and that was, that was great. And then uh, you, um, when we get into episode three, we find out that that adds a, Another layer of complication to <laughs> her and his world that needs to be explored. Of course, of course. And um, yeah, so as we head in episode three, as you said before, we have sort of a new episodic focus or caper. And um, it has to do with condos. Yeah. And it's funny because this, I think, is the first, at least my mind there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens but this is the first moment where we're sort of dropped into a situation unwittingly mm. right so we don't really know what's going on but Johnny and Torgier are Torgier man those Norwegian names uh, <laughs> Johnny and Torgier are at someone's house trying to collect on uh, someone who rang up a big tab and their car didn't go through, right? Yeah, so, paying the barbell. So, you know, that immediately gets us into uh, their next move, strong-arming this guy and uh, strong-arming yeah, Johnny, <laughs> strong-arming his way into a condo development. Yeah, by the way, Torgier like being a tough guy with Johnny is so funny every time with the biker. And then with this real estate guy, like um, him jumping in there, like he is, he, he, yeah, he's super funny. That's that like kind of Laurel and Hardy thing going on between the two of them. That's, yeah. that's a lot of fun to watch. Really funny and fun. And he's always trying to take Johnny's cues and lead and show that he's as tough as Johnny. Yeah, which added to when he was actually attacked by the, the biker gang in episode two. Right. I was like, oh no, like, you know, because he's like your happy little guy that he's like your buddy now at this point in the show. And yeah, you know, watching him hit with that crossbar and like almost getting his finger, like that part Ooh. was very, very suspenseful. Yeah. Um, so here we have him. He's trying to help him. Um, he's in the mix with him. And they're, they're just funny in this situation where they're, <laughs> they're, they're squeezing this guy for yeah. every last cent to pay this barbell. They've, and that's when they learn about, yes, the condo. Um, and the MacBook yeah. Pro. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, which, which comes in again later, of course. A re-gift. Yeah, that was, a, that was a hot time for the MacBook Pros, right? Around that 2009, 10. Yeah. Yeah, so Johnny initially is trying to just talk his way into a condo. Um, mm -hmm. They're looking at how much... This guy's bar tab was, and he equates it to the the down on one of the you know, less expensive units. So starts from there, but of course, over the episode, Johnny parlays this. Oh man, over uh, and over and over again, over and over and over again. So uh, he gets wind that 
they're having trouble with the development, which is this tree-hugging farmer we referenced earlier. And um, he becomes sort of uh, this other antagonist, right, in this episode. So we've got spiraling Norwegian Steve Buscemi and then this tree-hugging farmer. Yeah. And... Uh, this Norwegian episode. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Norwegian Steve Buscemi is still spiraling down this this theory that Johnny is a terrorist from Guantanamo Bay. Right. That hasn't gone away. He's working on that consistently. Deep. Um, Deep. Yeah, he, go, he goes to his... It's funny because he goes to the main boss, I guess the commander, right, of the police. Yeah. And uh, so above the chief's head, his part, his chief's head, and... What I loved about that scene was he was literally like, "Wait, what did? Well, what did the organ? You know, what did the official organization say? That I didn't yeah. hear about this. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Like, and he basically just squashes the entire thing. And squashes the it. and the guy can't. He still can't let it go. It's like he can't believe that this isn't. And you a know, real thing. like you know, in that scene when the you know chief of chiefs, whatever he is, the police commander yeah. head head guy is like. Wait, Chief what? Lieutenant, I think, is what they call him. I forget. Yeah. Well, you know when he's like, wait, come on. Like, you know at that point that it's, it, he's like, it's all going to blow up in his face, right? Like, oh, yeah. That's yeah. that moment when you go like, oh, okay. Like, this is going to come to a crashing, he's, crashing climax and fall in this yeah. episode. He's out of his lane. He's over his head. He's all these things. And we're just going to watch this happen and it's going to be a disaster and yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and so, Oh, like we said, so in episode two, they introduce us to this lawyer character and then he immediately becomes a big part of this episode when Johnny goes to the presentation for these condos and he's there, you know, playing a major part of that. And, uh, yep. I thought he was really funny in this episode. You know, he had, they did a good job of setting him up. So you felt like he was going to come back and he came back in like such a significant way. And I thought is an odd, an oddly effective representation of like Nordic people, what Nordic people must be like, cause he was like this, you know, archetype, shady lawyer who's got his hands in all kinds of pockets all over town who may have lost his license a year in the year before before getting it back and just got this baggage but like um i thought the scene that was really funny was after the tree hugger sort of got up to everyone and ruined the presentation by saying essentially that they need permission from his that the according to the plans the sewer the sewer lines were going to go through his property and he, yeah, he wasn't going to give permission. And, and so then it cuts to the lawyer in his, in his office, listening to classical music and just crying. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but like, um, yeah, his, his th- this world that now I think is so funny that we've seen, shown us in the Sopranos and the wire and like all these really heady American versions of these kinds of situations. And now we're in like Lilyhammer, and it's this guy who's got like an ascot and like a blue coat and it's weird curly hair. And he's just so funny looking. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's uh 
it's yeah he really uh represents that difference in worlds and is the most like salient thing that sort of doesn't fit with our conception of these moments right Um, (laughs) both his look and his uh his behavior yeah and of course johnny walks in you know as he's breaking down kind of like going on here and that's how johnny weasels his way in deeper Figures right, out so he, leverage. he starts out with a maybe a good price, a little help on the down payment for yeah. a not so great condo too. If he can get the tree hugger to sell his land, then he can get a penthouse. west face west, west facing. facing penthouse. No money, <laughs> yeah. no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then of course he does get the tree hugging farmer to sell, and but he sells it to him. And he yep. comes back to the lawyer. And that's amazing because, uh, you know, these guys basically, I feel like in that scene, they realize like how unprepared they are to deal with Johnny. And so they're oh, just yeah. like not even, they don't even resist. They're just like, so what do you want? Like, yeah. I want to be a partner. <laughs> yeah. And they're not, they're like, okay. Yeah. Right. You like, know. What are they going to do? And he's just introducing him in the next scene as as his partner, as the new partner on the thing. So it's like, um, yeah, he is, uh, you know, he is uniquely uniquely um, skilled to take full advantage of all the people in this town, for sure. Yeah, he um, really is. So an interesting bit of business, um, uh, when Gear Elvis pulls him over, checks his license and finds out that his license is only valid for mopeds <laughs> and farm equipment. Uh, that the FBI gave him a little FU out the door there. They didn't give him a valid driver's license just to fuck with him. Um, that and, is but what came out of that that I found that was probably going to be interesting is like it, his testimony didn't even matter. And that guy, Aldo, um, is going right. to walk and yeah. be out in the world and probably want vengeance and want to try to figure out where he is. And it was sure. sort of just left, left. Um, yeah. They definitely hang that one out there in that yeah. moment. Yeah. And, uh, whether or not that becomes immediately part of the show, we don't know yet, but it seems yeah. like that was uh, way too poignant to not have some effect on our futures here totally totally but what that led to was really cool which i thought was the funniest sequence of this episode three was when he had to go to the uh take the driving course to (laughs) get his new license and he's starting practicing driving with the guy and uh he doesn't come to a complete stop and they stop the car yeah he always to learn how to relearn how to drive stick first which i thought was sort of funny and then um the guy was like, okay, just take a right here. And then he's like, thinks about it and he just takes a left. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> like I got to run some errands. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, I got to run some errands and uh, we're just driving around anyway. So what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, um, that was like a big laugh out, ma- laugh out loud moment for me watching this episode. If I can highlight one, that yeah. one, like, even on, the, uh, I watched this episode twice. And um, the second time, I just it just got me every time. He's like, "We're just driving around, so what the fuck?" So he just like, <laughs> takes he just takes him on some, you know, he just takes him up to some errands. It's when he first tries to lean on the tree hugger, um, who I you know, 
a mark of a good show, and I think this happened in Dairy Girls too, you know, where they'd have a character on just for like the one episode caper or to serve a purpose for, you know, just one episode. Right. Um, I, I thought that that this role of this guy um, who was this eco philosophy professor who's now moved to the country to kind of live this life and is going up against these capitalists. Like I, I found that character to be like really complete. The dude was really kind of funny and weird looking and interesting. <laughs> and uh, he even tried to uh, call the police commander, you know, to, to deal with the fact that, <laughs> that uh, Torrin threw a chicken through his window <laughs> with a broken neck. And, um, and the sort of realness of his wife saying that, that just that little scene where she made that macchiato and then was talking to him about their life back in Oslo when they, you know, would read the paper and have coffee at the coffee shop and like basically just saying like, this isn't what it turned out to be. And I don't want to be here anymore. And like, it was, uh, I, I just thought that was a real complete little story. Like we didn't know that guy at all before this episode. And real quick, we knew who he was. We knew what he was about, what he was trying to do. And, um, you know, it just happened to be all of these things colliding for him, you know, and it was a kind of a good stroke of luck for Johnny in a way where he came to him and, and then sold him his property. And, and, uh, and that scene when he said, so what happened to all the Gandhi, <laughs> you know, m- you know, make the, make the best world you can stuff. And, yeah. and, and then they cut to the next scene. Like they didn't even have to get into it. Like the storytelling in the show is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think also we see, some characters brought into these second and third episodes that will probably come back at times as well, right? So some are complete and then some are open-ended, right? Like this head police guy, maybe he's always sort of that, like the highest post, you know, on the, the highest rung on the post, like they can get to with their inquiries or who knows, um, or the, you know, driving instructor guy who he then like promises to give a sweet deal on the condo to, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. that guy's really funny. So like they kind of close the loop on this one story, but they also open up the universe of uh, our little community and Lilyhammer a bit too. Um, and yeah. So, you know, with the club opening and uh, the third episode, the con, like all this stuff is opening up a little bit and while we felt like we were literally in a village in the first episode by the third and the end of the third with the condo deal and all of this uh we are starting to see well this is a little bit bigger of a a place and city and we've got underworld and we've got all these new players who you know the lawyer guy and some others like definitely Likely right, and the, yeah, and the and the police commander for sure, because there's because, um, Gearelvis, uh, you know, wrecked his his uh, his cross country ski race at the end of the episode, and he said, you know, there's going to be an investigation, like right. into your conduct here, what's going on. Um, one part we talked about <laughs> the really funny part when he's the driving lesson, but then the next funny laugh out loud part for me was the birthday party sequence, which I thought was so <laughs> funny. Um, 
of course, little Jonas invites. Um, she told him to invite all your friend, any friend you want, to your birthday party. So he invites Giovanni, and it was really sweet. And he he shows up to the birthday party and gives Jonas the the MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah, the MacBook Pro, and and he gets a big uh, hug, and he loves it. And just this whole sequence of of them, the tree hugger son gives him the the back. Scratching back stick. Scratching. It's just a stick from the yard. And then his exchange with him is just like, you know, it's, you know, it's not very polite to uh, criticize other people's <laughs> gifts. He's like, hey, Einstein, it's not very uh, polite to criticize other people's gifts, especially when you give them trash from the backyard. <laughs> uh, he just, he can't, you know, he can't let any injustices stand. Doesn't matter who it is. Kids. Oh, him just sitting down at that little, (laughs) little table, a little birthday with all the other boys. That was, that was just a funny, a funny scene. Really um, funny, really funny. And yeah, they play up the, the fascinating story angle of this like Italian American mobster in Norway. And then they really play up Stevie, you know, I guess I should call him Steven Van Zandt. <laughs> uh, sure. They really play up Steven Van Zandt's appearance within this world they've created too. And so, you know, as he comes in, this big hulking middle-aged, you know, American guy and all these like, <laughs> yeah. little teeny Norwegian boys. <laughs> uh, yeah. <and> you, <laughs> that, that whole sequence was funny and the kid getting hopped up on the candy and, after his mom was like, please keep an eye on him. And he's just like wolfing this bag down. That was a funny visual, you know, of of him just like just slamming this candy that, you know, is bad for him. Um, That was really great. Um, Really funny, really funny episode, really fun episode across the board. Um, Yeah. I think the show, I think the show is off to a great start. I mean, I think these first three episodes are, are really fascinating and I'm so in on, him in this world and all these players and what's happening and yeah for sure and of course the the bombshell that we get wind of oh yeah and the third that becomes you know the the final bombshell for him right in this third episode is that uh sigrid is pregnant whoa wasn't (laughs) that's a curveball for him that's definitely a curveball and also like you know, I like when, you know, good TV, usually the stakes are like really high. You know what I mean? So like it was sweet that they got together and their thing is really cute. But this throws a huge, huge complication and a huge conflict in their relationship. And it's and it's definitely oh yeah, um, keeping me engaged and interesting, being like, well, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Steve, that may be burying the lead then because oh we are nearing the end of talking about episode three so we're getting close to our lily hammer temperature check it's the temperature check so at at shows with friends we have a opportunity to opt out after mm-hmm. three episodes so this is this would be my because eli chose this show this is my decision whether or not we're going to opt out Right. Or or continue watching this first season. Steve can pull the ripcord if he has had enough of Lillyhammer. So let's let's go for it, Steve. What do you think? Well, this might be 
a little anticlimactic because I'm sure if people have read <laughs> my response to this show so far, I am definitely in. Let's keep watching Lilyhammer. Yeah. Let's, let's come back and talk about episodes four and five. Yes. And keep it rolling. Woo! Wow. All right. Good, good, good. So we will keep listening. Nope. We will keep watching. <laughs> and you will keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> and we will dive into episodes four and five next. Can't wait to see what happens and how deep they go into this funny, funny comedy. Oh, this has been another episode of Shows with Friends. Thank you so much for listening, all you listeners out there. Bye, friends. Bye. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.